Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, good morning, Harvest Ridge. So good to see you guys. I see you survived 2020. You made it. So 2021? Yeah, there you go. There's a little joke there. 2021? Anyway. All right. No, it didn't. We're here. (laughs) All right. So um, we're starting a new sermon series in case you hadn't figured that out. It's retro. We're going to be focused the next couple of months, next uh, five weeks, going to be around this. If you look in the back of the seat of your card, or... uh, the card in the seat in front of you. Let's hope my brain and mouth start working together today. We have one of these for you. And on the front, it's got like a prayer emphasis each week. And then on the back, we have things like a, a place that you can get a daily prayer. Uh, we're going to get a daily scripture reading, daily prayer together. I'll talk to you a little bit in the message about what I want us to do with that. But this is available to you. If you're watching online, this is also available to you. If you will uh, go right there on the web page, opening page, it's all right there. We're trying to get you signed up to get you on the same page. Um, I'll preach in a second. Let's talk now. Robin told me after Christmas, she said that I have to quit eating all the Christmas leftovers out of the fridge. And I told her, dear, I just can't quit cold turkey. (laughs) All right. Would you all stand to your feet in honor of God's word with me? We have a a text that we will be focused on the next five weeks. about the, the middle of last year, God started laying this on my heart. We're working with um, one of our, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, one of our previous youth pastors here. His name's Brody Reich. He was with us for years. He and I started talking about this sermon series, and we started working together on it. And hopefully we're going to get a video from him in the next week or so where he's going to, uh, you know, send you a greeting because his church is doing the same thing we're doing. We're doing this together. And by the way, our youth are doing the same thing, and our kids are doing the same thing, and we're going to, there's something about the power of unity. All right, if we can all get on the same page, God can move in a new way. But we have to get on the same page, okay, for God to move. So here's the scripture and the power of unity is I'm going to ask you to read it with me. So if you can, can you all read it out loud with me? Here we go. Everybody together. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So what are you going to find if you do this? Rest for your what? Come on, anybody after 2020, you ready for some rest in your souls? Anybody other than me, you're like, I just need God to help me because I'm going to kill somebody if not. All right, so this is what we're going to do for the next couple weeks. We're going to stand at the crossroads. Turn of year is a good time for a crossroads. We're going to stand at a crossroads. And we're going to ask God where the good way is. And we're going to walk in the good way. 
so we can find rest for our souls. Father, that is our prayer, and that's what we're here to do. We're not here to make up our own agenda. We're here to ask you what your agenda is to find your paths, to look for the ancient paths, the ones who have gone before, that have made it and made it strong, and that we will walk in those paths. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we will embrace your way, your will, your kingdom, your purposes. Break our heart for what breaks yours. In the name of Jesus, cause us to be united around your truth, your hope, your power, your strength, and your purposes. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn and smile at somebody before you're seated? You can leave your mask up and still do that. They see it in your eyes. So here, online, there's your smile. There you go. All right, y'all ready? So old paths. Lewis and Clark were adventurers. They were assigned to find out what was in the westerlies of the United States. So they started on a path from St. Louis, and they made it all the way to the west coast. As Lewis and the Clark, they adventured across the United States. They had to find, they came to this giant mountain range called the Rockies. And when they got to the giant mountain range called the Rockies, they needed to find a pass through the Rockies because you don't cross a mountain range by crossing the peaks. You cross in the valleys where it's the safest, the lowest, and the path is the easiest. They went across the Rockies and they found a pass. And when they found the pass, later on there came a trail through there. They found it, they communicated it, and a trail was made through that pass. And then when the gold rush and other things like that opened up on the West Coast, people used the same pass and there became a road, a wagon road through it. And when the, the United States decided to, to build a railroad system, there was a railroad that went through the same pass. And now if you take that same pass, there will be a super highway through that pass. Why? Because the ancient paths that were discovered that were the ways of of, of safety and security and clarity and ease of getting from point A to point B, those ancient paths do not need to be rediscovered. Maybe they need to be re, they don't need to be discovered, they need to be rediscovered. Are y'all you, are you following me here? The early church, the early church made it in the middle of a hostile world. And most of us, we're now living and embracing the fact that culture is becoming more and more hostile to the Christian message. And that our world is a little more out of control. But just like those ancient hikers, I found this one, is a picture through the mountains in Europe. And these are the Alps. And there are paths and there are markers telling you how to go so you can live and see the sights. Those ancient people who found the right path to begin with cleared a path, in some ways improved a path, and then they communicated the path. So they worked at it. They discovered it, they worked at it, and then they communicated that path to us. Similarly, the early church did the same thing. 
They were starting anew. They were starting. They were trying to find a path of how do you serve God in the middle of a hostile world? How do you serve God? How do you accomplish the things that God has for you? How do you actually live a life of purpose and reason with peace in the middle of crisis? And they did all of these things and they created a path and they wrote down a book of the Bible to communicate that to us. And that's what we're going to walk through in the retro series. We're going to walk through that book of the Bible, the book of Acts. And we're going to learn from the book of Acts. We're going to learn the character traits that it takes to thrive in the middle of a crazy world. Before we do that, I want to tell you what's driving this, okay? Um, the Holy Spirit talks to me occasionally. And uh, when he does, he tells me what's going on. And in about the middle of 2018, God started talking to me, uh, middle of 2019, God started talking to me about the fact that we need to be a Daniel generation. We need to raise up a Daniel generation. And a Daniel generation is this, okay? So Daniel was a little boy in Jerusalem. The children of Israel had sold themselves to idols for decades and decades and decades. They had sold themselves to idols. And God kept telling them, quit selling yourself to idols. There's only one God, worship me, worship me alone. And God had been saying that to the Israelites for generations and generations. And finally, God says, I'm done. You're going to suffer now until you learn that there's only one God and I'm him and that's it. So God, um, right before, right before the Babylonian captivity, before the Babylonians came in and totally destroyed the temple removed the Israelites' ability to worship and took them away into captivity. Before that happened, God raised up a king called Josiah that had a heart to worship. And he raised up a generation of young men and ladies whose hearts were devoted to Jesus, or devoted to God, devoted to worship to God alone. And these were the ones that got carried off into captivity. And that's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the names of four of them that we know. Now they were taken away from their homeland their worship was destroyed because the temple was destroyed. There was no longer a place of worship. And they were like 10, 11 years of, old, of age. They were taken away. They were probably castrated. Their names were changed. Their lives were totally goofed up. They were given a different diet, a different home. They were given everything different. They were living in captivity. But yet, Daniel, when he's 70 years old, it says at the evening of at the time of the evening sacrifice, I was in prayer. I want you to capture this because I don't think we get this enough. At the time of the evening sacrifice, there'd been no temple for nearly 60 years. There'd been no evening sacrifice for nearly 60 years. And Daniel in his old age still held to God and the truth he learned when he was a little kid. Are y'all following me here? And God started talking to me about the fact that we are going to face a time of suffering and a time of persecution and a time of isolation like we have never known. And that's what he started talking to me back in 2019. And you can go back and listen to the sermons because I said it and it's documented. And what he told us to do and what he told me to do is how to walk us through the book of Romans so that in the middle of the crisis, we would stay focused on our faith. And that's what we did in 2020. We focused on our faith and we focused on maintaining and you know, that's what we did. And I'm telling you going into 2021, those of you that think 2021 is all of a sudden going to change and it's going to get better. I want to tell you that the spirit is speaking to me. That is not what's going to happen. 
The Spirit is not speaking to me that all of a sudden 2021 is going to happen and everything's going to get rosy and it's all going to work. No, no. The church of Jesus Christ needs to learn from the old paths so that we will stand faithful in the middle of crisis and difficult times. And if you don't like to hear that, well, then turn on YouTube because there's 50,000 Christian preachers telling you something different. I feel like Jeremiah in the middle of a bunch of Micaiahs. And if you don't know that, you need to read your Bible more, which, which leads me to first point, but we'll get there in a second. All right. So the early church had some things we don't have. The early church had the presence of God. They lived with the manifest presence of God in their lives. They lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they lived with a priority on community. If we want to go back to some old paths, we're going to have to go back and reclaim these things. We're going to have to seek God for the presence of God in our lives. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be manifest in our lives. I don't care what your theology is. It's time to lay your theology at the feet of Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit come into you and through you. And we need to embrace the priority of community. How did they survive? This is how. Y'all ready? Five character traits of the early church. We're going to go through those the next five weeks. Today, we're going to look at devotion. And Google defines devotion as love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for something. Love, loyalty, or enthusiasm. So that leads me to a question that Brody Wright asked me this past week, and it was tough. Punched me right in the eyes. Was there a moment in time when your faith and relationship with Christ was more important to you than it is now? Was there a time in your life where your relationship with Christ was more important to you than it is now? If so, you're like probably 90% of the people in this room. We've had times in our lives where we really devoted to God and the presence of God was real and near and dear. And I'm telling you, it's time for us to reclaim that. And you do not reclaim a devotion to God by being passive. You do it by being active. Devotion means you actually have to do something. If you devote something, that is a verb. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Actually, I want to, this week in your readings, you're going to read through Acts 1 and 2. Um, we're doing this differently. Normally, we pre-read and then I preach on it. This sermon series, I'm going to preach on it and then you're going to read about it so that you have thoughts. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, they devoted. What an amazing word. Isn't that what we're talking about today, devotion? Hmm. And they devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What four things did they devote themselves to? Anybody see that? Can you see it in the scripture? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So it's right here. My outline is ready made for me. So guess what my four points are today? Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. So let's just do this. First of all, 
apostles' teaching. When I mentioned Jeremiah and Micaiah a few seconds ago, I don't want to ask how many of you know what I'm talking about because I'm going to dare say there might be two to three people in this room that actually know those stories. But if I would have asked the early church who Jeremiah and Micaiah were, everybody over the age of about 20 would know exactly the story. Actually, I'm going to say everybody over the age of 12 would. See, we've lost something along the way. We have lost biblical literacy. Don't, don't be embarrassed. You haven't been taught it. Don't be embarrassed. It's not a value that you've had. So my question is, when are you going to make it a value? If it's one of the things, it is the very first thing mentioned in what they devoted themselves to is the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching was always from Scripture. Scripture. We are biblically illiterate. We, we really are. Books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chron. Come on, do you know them? We, we want to teach your kids them, but for us to teach your kids the books of the Bible, you have to work with them at home. I remember my mom and dad working with me to memorize it, and they gave me rewards for memorizing. A lot of you, anyway, we'll stop. We're rewarding the wrong thing in our culture today. Do you have scriptures memorized to lead somebody to Christ? Can you quote four or five scriptures right now off the top of your head? John 3, 16, 1 John 1, 9. Romans 323, 623, 828. Can you do those? Did you memorize five, six scriptures? If you do not have five or six scriptures memorized and you wonder why you never lead anybody to Christ, the reason you never lead anybody to Christ is because you couldn't do it if you had to because you don't know what to tell them. Hmm. Now, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to people out here in the world. I'm talking to you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not, this is not condemnation. And the deal is, is that we wanted a Sunday school class to teach us, and we became so Sunday school class driven that we would sit for an hour bored out of our wits and never do the things that we should have done, which is actually learn something ourselves. Read the Bible through in a year. Anybody ever tried that? Come on, wave at me if you've ever tried it. I didn't say succeeded. I said tried it. Come on. Anybody ever tried it? Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. All right, good. There are a few of you who tried it. Most of you have never tried it. And if you did try it, those of you that, that did that, you got to Leviticus. If you're like me in Leviticus, you're like propping your eyelids open with toothpicks and drinking a pot of coffee at a time to try to make it through chapter 13. Right? Or then we get into like the sexual things in 26. Like people really have sex with animals? It's in the Bible. It'll be all right, it's in the Bible. But you wouldn't know that. I'm not telling you that we, listen, listen, I'm not condemning. I am creating the truth of a problem. Okay? Until you, anybody ever have a problem and it's like that, that thing that grows on you and grows on you and grows on you. And finally, one day your wife says, would you go to the doctor already? <laughs> right? We have a problem. The problem is we are biblically illiterate. Most of the people in this room, if I were to ask you to log the amount of time you have spent on social media versus the time you spent in scriptures, you would be ashamed to bring it up here and write it down and for us all to see it. 
You spend so much time on social media. You spend so much time doing things that are nonsensical and useless. And it's a discipline. It's a devotion. It's, that's why they're called devotions. They're not called joys. They're not called celebrations. Celebration comes after devotion. You don't stand at a free throw line in a big game and make a free throw because you just decided you wanted to experience that. You spend hours and hours and hours and hours for years practicing your form, your rhythm, and your focus. Am I correct? And after you've done that for years and years and years, then when the pressure's on, you can make it. But most of us, when the pressure's on, we're not making it because we're biblically illiterate and we don't spend time in the scriptures. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not asking you to become a Bible scholar. I'm asking you to do something simple. Y'all ready? Did did I create enough of a problem or do I need to point out three or four other things I have in my notes? Enough of a problem? Could we embrace that we have a problem? Listen, I'm not asking you to read the Bible in a year. I am not asking you to do that. I am asking you with your family to read the daily readings. I am asking you in 31 days to read 28 chapters. In 31 days to read 28 chapters. That's, That's horrible. I can't believe he would ask me to do that. But I'm asking you to read it out loud. Not quiet, out loud, with somebody with you. If you live alone, go grab a neighbor, throw them in a headlock, say, you gotta do this. I, I don't care what you do. I am asking you to read it out loud and to find somebody with you. Let's go back to the apostles' teaching and let's read through the book of Acts together. How's that, how's that, is that, that simple? Is this too much to ask? Oh, pastor, he's just like oppressive. Yeah. Can you, would you, would you take 31 days, read the book of Acts? So, and read it with your family, your kids. You know, your kids are going to be studying the same thing on Sunday mornings. Did you know that? And your youth, if they come on youth on Sunday nights, they're going to be studying the same things on Sunday nights. We're all moving together. Wouldn't it be great if we could actually increase biblical literacy around the book of Acts in one simple month? (sighs) Feel like I'm pulling teeth up here. I'm a dentist today. Kevin wants to be a dentist. (laughs) And if you don't know that reference, you need some retro in your life. That's, uh, what is that? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation, right? Herbie wants to be a dentist. All right, number two, fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to fellowship. So what did this fellowship look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They broke bread in their where? Homes. Homes. We'll come back to that in just a second. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We'll come back to praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. But let's be very clear here. Fellowship is the regular meeting of the believers. I know 2020's tried to kill us, but even the Supreme Court has said that they cannot stop the gathering together of the saints to worship.
Why do we get together? Because who else is going to get up in your face like I just did? No, seriously. Where else in your life is somebody going to get up in your face about reading the Bible together with your family? Where? Where? Who's going to do that? Nobody's going to do that. You know why nobody's going to do that? Because everybody else is afraid to, or everybody else is too nice to. I'm just a mean old crusty guy that loves you and wants you to have the best in your life. And sometimes I feel like I'm channeling my football coach when I get up here and I'm just like up in your face saying, come on, you can hit somebody. Don't turn your back. You're going to break your back. Just ask the guy in the football game the other day, right? Don't turn your back to a hit. Boy, that's good preaching for 2021. Never turn your back to a hit. <laughs> you know, the armor of God, and we're going to talk about this later in the year, the armor of God, every bit of it's on your front, none of it's on your back. Because God did not make cowards for the kingdom of God. God made people that'll go toward a problem rather than running from it. I'm no longer a slave to fear, doggone it. I am a child of God. I hope you get a little bit of this err that's inside of me. It's been boiling for a while. And I want us to stand up and say, doggone it, I don't care what happens in this world. I'm a child of God and I'm going to act like it. So the fellowship is when you get together for instruction and encouragement. Encouragement. You know, the meeting together set them apart from everybody else. Imagine this, if you're part of the early church and you're in Jerusalem and they're all Jewish people and they all hate Christians and you're a Christian going to a church meeting, you are marked as weird and different. Hmm. The meeting together also fulfilled a part of their brain that experienced joy. I, I just finished a book, okay? It's called The Other Half of Church just finished this book and it talks about brain function and how our brains function. And I, I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but, but here's the deal. You need to be in the fellowship of the saints to have joy in your heart. Period. God designed your brain that way. Before you get to logical thinking, you go through the fellowship and the fellowship of the saints is that place where we come together and we encourage one another. Now, we drag each other down. We encourage one another. So if somebody's going through a hard time, I'm a part of their answer as much as they're a part of my answer. That's what this is about. We encourage one another. As a matter of fact, probably the thing that's ticked me off the most about COVID, the thing that's ticked me off the most is that I am a pastor and I will go anywhere to pray with anyone, anytime, at any risk, and I don't care. If I die, I got a one-way ticket to heaven and that's a whole lot better than this mess down here and I'm not worried about it. And, they, and studies have proven, for decades studies have proven, that a person that's prayed for gets better like 25% faster than people who aren't prayed for. And that's been proven for years. And doctors know it. But you know what? You can be laying in the hospital dying and they won't let me near you even though I'm willing to suffer the risk. They won't let me near you. And that's the thing that ticks me off the most. Not that what's happening in the world. What ticks me off the most is that hurting people aren't getting what they need. So I've thought about charging the gates a time or two. Anybody want to go with me? <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I, anyway, anyway, sorry. 
You know what fellowship is? It's that place where we build one another up. When I walk into your pain and I give you a smile and I tell you, God's going to get you through this. He's going to get you through one way or the other, doggone it. We're going to make this. We are more than conquerors in Christ. When you hear that, when you see that in the eyes and you know it's believed, your spirit gets lifted and your immunity goes up and you have a power to be built as a victor in Jesus Christ. That's what the fellowship is about. Gallup study. Gallup study. They put it out. This isn't even Christian. This is Gallup, okay? This isn't Barna, the Christian. This is Gallup. And Gallup did a study. 34% of people in America say their mental health is excellent. That's down from 43% in 2019. That is a two-decade low, and that is a 9% drop last year. 67% of U.S. adults rate their mental health positively, but not good. Only 4% of people said their mental health got better last year. Only four. There's only one category of all of them that went up. Every other one went down. Every other one went down. I, I don't think you heard this. Every other group went down. Only one group had a better positive outlet. You want to know what the only group that had a pot more positive view last year was? Those who had committed themselves to the regular fellowship of the local church. This is a secular study, study people. This is people who don't believe in Jesus. Revealing that we have a hope that's bigger than the struggles we face. Yes. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us consider. So if, if you're one of those people at home, you're watching right now and you're, you're getting this, this feeling that I'm preaching at you. Listen, I am preaching for you, not at you. Let us consider how we can do this. Come on, if you're, if you're a person that you've got a physical malady that if you catch COVID, you're going to die, do not go out in public. Get somebody else to bring you your groceries. Come on. Right? I'm not preaching stupidity here. But what I'm saying is, it's about time we begin to consider how we can hold on to this value. Consider how you can hold on. Let us consider how we may do this and spur one another to good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some is in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need this more and more and more. The rougher it gets, the more you're going to need somebody to tell you you can make it. How can we do this together? How can we do it? How? Let us consider it. Let us think about it. Let us work towards it. Let us consider what we can do to devote ourselves. I, I'm preaching and I'm losing track of my notes. Oh, do I have to say this? Years ago in college, I was struggling with the idea of hell. Struggling with the idea of how can God send people to hell? Anybody ever struggle with that one? And I read this quote that really helped me. It said this. Y'all ready? Now, we, we can talk the theologies of some of the other things, but let me just give you this quote. This is a good quote. It said, sin is us telling God, go away and leave me alone. Sin is us telling God, go away and leave me alone. And hell is God saying to us, you may have what you asked for. 
See, we do have free will and we can ask things of God and God will let us get what we want. Do not be mocked what a man sows that he will also reap, right? Isn't that in the Bible? Isn't that in your Bible? It's in mine, all right? We've been telling God through our behaviors for decades now that fellowship is less and less meaning in our lives and the study of God's word has less and less and less meaning in our lives. Regular church attender before COVID attended church 1.5 times a month. When I was a kid, it was five times a month was a regular attender. Are y'all getting where I'm going? All right. What we've said is that we don't want real people. We want social media. We want two-dimensional images. By the way, back to the brain study, your brain cannot really gather joy. It is impossible for your brain function for you to gather joy through two-dimensional images. You need four-dimensional people. Are y'all gathering this? God designed you so that two-dimensional scrolls and feeds cannot feed your emotions healthily. God designed you that way, but yet for years the church has been saying, we're not interested in assembling together. Instead, we're interested in what's going on on a two-dimensional screen. For years we've been saying that, and I believe 2000 was God saying, you don't want to gather? You want two-dimensional people? You can have what you want. And the answer isn't going to be found through another vaccination. The answer is going to be found when the church of Jesus Christ decides that we want what God says we should want. <clears throat> Let's go on ahead, breaking the bread. It's a reference to communion. Breaking of bread is a reference to communion. We were supposed to serve communion today. We were supposed to have it. I love it when God goofs up our plans. We were supposed to have it. You know what? We didn't order the right packets. We could have communion the right, you know, the other way in a tray and all that kind of stuff. And I said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. I'm not going to break protocol because something didn't work right. Are, are y'all following me? Okay, because we use our brain around here, right? Are y'all hearing the balance? I know, I know it's crazy. I'm not far right wing, I'm not far left wing, I'm Jesus wing. Yeah. Let's use our brains, let's use our spirits, let's listen to what God is saying, but let's listen to what God is saying. And I was like, well, God, I, I was throwing a curveball. I was, I was like, what am I gonna do? It's a major part of my message. This is how we're supposed to end. And God said, Tell them, and I don't normally use the words God said. You don't hear that from me very often. But God said, encourage them to celebrate communion with someone they love today. When was the last time you did communion around your dinner table? If you've never done it, make today the first time. 
If you have done it, do it again. If you want to be really crazy, get somebody else involved with you. Somebody that's in your circle, that you share all the diseases and germs together already. Invite them over and celebrate communion with them. The scriptures to read are in 1 Corinthians. You can find them or you can find them in the end of Matthew. You just look up. Look it up in your Bible. Do it. Do it. Somebody be bold in your house and say, we're going to do it. What do, well, hold on, hold on. Where did, how, how did they do this? In, in, I said we were going to come back to it. They, remember, they did this house to house. Why is it you think that all spiritual things have to happen in this room? Haven't we been encouraging life groups for a long time? Well, a life group is just two or more people who get together who want to make each other, help each other grow in their faith. So your life group can't meet it as it used to. Well, then make a new one made of a third of you, a tenth of you. I don't care. What I'd like us to do is actually learn the lesson and make Jesus the central part of our lives rather than some one hour, once a month approach to our lives. All right, last one, prayer and worship. The number one calling of a disciple of Jesus is to worship God and to pray. The number one calling is for us to interact with him, let him speak to us through his scriptures, us pray to him. Some of us feel this way on a regular basis that we can't pray, that our praying doesn't do any good. But I want to tell you, your prayers have power. We're going to do a couple of things. I want to encourage you to do three things. I'm, I'm going to skip all this. I'm going to, I'm going to wind this up, but I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. We're going to have a prayer time every Saturday at 8.30 up in the chapel. That's ongoing. Encourage you. It was me and Matt, uh, Matt Sante here yesterday, and we walked and prayed and talked and encouraged one another, and we both left all the better for it. So I encourage you to do that. And then tomorrow, we're going to have a day of prayer right here in this room. That's a day of prayer. And uh, I'm encouraging you to uh, join us tomorrow. It's from 9 to 2. Nobody told me they wanted to get here earlier. I would have been here as early as you want. But uh, I know that there are going to be a dozen or so people here. I've invited some pastor friends of mine. They're bringing some people from their churches as well. And uh, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a huge crowd, but there should be enough of a crowd to be able to give us some encouragement in times of prayer. We're going to hear some scriptures and pray and worship together. So I encourage you to be a part of that. And then I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. This month, I always ask you to fast and pray. Beginning of the year, a good thing to do is fast. And me and my wife, we decided to do this intermittent fasting thing, which is a little crazy to me, but we're doing that. It doesn't matter. You might want to fast with me on Mondays. You might want to fast social media. You might want to, I don't know what you want to fast, but I'm going to encourage you to fast something. Do without, fasting means literally do without. It's good to do without food. Because then you get hungry, and every time you get hungry, you're like, oh, God, I'm serious about knowing you. What are you fasting for? What are you asking for? That God would teach us how to be the Daniels in the middle of the craziness. Now, I, uh, I read this book earlier. Well, last year I read this book. If you want a book that will mess you up really good, read this book. There's a story in this book of a guy named Dimitri. And Dimitri, he was a... Uh, he was a, a follower of Christ. And um, 
he was just sharing about Jesus and a bunch of people started gathering around him. And then in his Eastern Bloc communist country, they uh, arrested him and threw him in prison. For 17 years, he was in prison. And for 17 years, he was regularly beaten in prison and tortured in prison. But Dimitri said, I have no power to do anything because he he was one of those guys that said, you may make me stand up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. He was one of those guys. He said, you can tell me not to follow Jesus, but I'm going to follow him no matter what you say. Um, That stubbornness is one of those characteristics of a follower of Jesus, by the way. And and here he was, oh, Dimitri, he's in prison, being beaten. He said, I can only do two things. He would, um, he would, anytime he found a scrap of paper, he would write what scripture he could remember had committed from memory, write it down as as a sacrifice of praise to God. And every time he did it and the guards found one of those pieces of paper, they would beat him again. But he did it anyway. But Dimitri had one other habit. Every morning, he would wake up and he would face the east and he would lift both hands in the air. Why, why east? Because Jesus is going to come back from the east. And he would lift his hands and he would sing a song of worship to God. And he would sing a song that he learned when he was a kid and he would just re-sing that song as an act of I will worship God no matter where I am, in prison, getting beat, without my family or anything, I will, I will follow God. Can I tell you all more of the story? So here's what happened. After, after, it was about 16 years, he got tired and he was gonna quit. He was gonna sign a piece of paper renouncing his faith in Jesus. And the night before he signed the piece of paper, he said to God, God, this is the last time The interview this guy did with Dimitri happened in a chair at his home. And Dimitri was in prison and he was transported in his spirit back to that home. And the reason that old chair had stayed there is because his family was gathered around. They had told Dimitri that his family had given up the faith and that they'd all wiped away from God and they no longer served God and they didn't care about him anymore. And he was like, why am I holding on? Because after 16 years of all of it pouring into his brain, he was ready to quit, ready to quit. And that night before he signed the paper, he was transported literally what was happening in his home as they gathered around Dimitri's chair. His wife and sons were laying hands on the chair and praying for dad. And Dimitri heard their prayers word for word, heard their voices, saw them in their grown-up form. And when he woke up the next morning, instead of walking out of the door to sign the paper and to walk away from God, he threw his hands up in the air and started singing his song again. Now, there were 15,000 people in this prison. There were 15,000 people. I'm sorry, 1,500 people in the prison. And that morning, after they had mocked Dimitri for years and years and years of him singing his song every morning, that morning when he lifted his hands and started singing his song, the guards came and said, we're just going to kill you then. And as they were dragging him away, all 1,500 people in that prison lifted their hands and started singing the song that Dimitri had sang. Because the last part of this verse is, and the Lord added daily to them, those who were being saved. Because when you are loyal and devoted in the middle of the crisis, there are people watching you. 
And when you say, I don't care what it costs, I'm going to worship Jesus. And when you say, I will be devoted and loyal no matter what it costs me. When that is your attitude, there are people watching and they will be brought into faith because of your sacrifice and your strength. Dimitri got freed from prison because they said if we, if we kill him, we're going to lose. If we try to shut him up, we keep losing. We might as well kick him out. And that's how they know the story. So what are you devoted to? Are you devoted enough that when the pressure's on and the pain's rising and the difficulties are happening, are you devoted enough to wake up in the morning and lift your hands to heaven and sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me.
maybe, just maybe, I'm putting too much stock in today instead of thinking about what's coming for the future. So I'd like us to sing this together, that fourth verse again. I want you to think about the fact that what you got now is a drop in the bucket of what God's offering, all right? So when we've been there, Amen.